0: Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, and I'm usually joined by A to Z Sports Tennessee writer Zach Reagan, but today Zach is on vacation with his family, and so I have brought in a special guest who I'll We'll introduce in just a second, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. We're here every week talking everything Vols. And if that sounds good to you, make sure that you subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. All the new episodes drop there every Monday morning. And uh, you won't miss a thing if you subscribe. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris, then at A to Z sports on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z sports Nashville and A to Z sports for everything that Zach's that Zach writes when he's not on vacation. And today's show, as always, is presented by Tennessee the place you should trust for any of your ticket purchases, Vols, home and away games, concerts at your favorite venues and all with zero hidden fees at checkout. And unlike the other sites, uh, zero hidden fees, unlike the other sites, man, I'm really killing it. Just messing up the read and everything. Save $10 off every ticket purchase with promo code AZ10. That's AZ10TennesseeTickets.com. Now to the special guest, uh, a a media friend and a friend in, in real life. Uh, someone who is, I, I would say, ingrained in the Knoxville sports media. He is the, the co-host of of the Swain event, and a writer for RockyTopInsider.com, Ben McKee,
1: is with me. Good to be back with you on the air, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to be back with you. Uh, the people who have been following us for, for quite some time now will will remember our good old days of uh, Orange in the Paint and, and our lovely debates on the Swain event, so nice to, to relive some, some good memories. And I'm just glad your cat won't be attacking me this time while we record. Yeah,
0: th- those were good times. We, we used to record uh, a basketball podcast on my kitchen table. My cat hated Ben. It won't be a factor, hopefully, uh, in this show. I have the door closed, so it'll be outside. No worries there. But uh, it, it is uh, really good to to be back. I like to think that there is uh, some set of people out there that will be happy to, to see this happen but hopefully everything is is going well uh, for you personally but when you in terms of your your job and everything that is happening with the craziness of college football right now like what how, how do you uh, assess the situation how do you think things are going as a media person who does this every day quite
1: frankly it it sucks because football season is supposed to be uh, getting ready to start and i don't have a, a ton of optimism that We are going to to have a a football season. Uh, We definitely aren't going to have a football season that we are used to. There won't be the fans in the stands. There won't be tailgating. There won't be a ball walk and uh, things things of that nature. So quite honestly, things suck right now. (laughs) Um, But from a media perspective, the the show still goes on because uh, that is the one good thing about our line of work is that as long as you have a laptop, you can – you can cover a team from wherever. I, if if I wanted to, I'm sure I could go write about the Washington Huskies. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> that is true. That's
0: yeah. It's kind of the beauty of this situation. We're not sitting in the same room. Uh, you you're just at home chilling out, and so uh, thankfully technology exists. But I would much prefer that the football season happened with everything that unfolded this past week with the Big Ten announcing and I guess we we can just lead off with this, although I wanted I, I do want to get it in going into a more Tennessee centric direction, but we can start off with this. The Big Ten this week, one of the power five conferences announced that they are moving to a conference only schedule. There are a few reasons that go into this, but when you hear that Ben obviously you just said your optimism is not high, but what did you think of that uh, that choice in particular?
1: uh I, I thought it was an interesting decision f- for sure. Uh not it was surprising but it but it wasn't surprising. Um it wasn't surprising just because things have been trending in that direction all along uh and you know for for there there's so many nuanced conversations to have in this one big conversation of having a college football season. Uh so you can go in so many directions and that's kind of why I'm hesitating because my mind's pulling me in all different directions of of where I want to start. But if we're going to have a a college football season uh, and remember that there's still a possibility that, that COVID-19 could flare up at some point in the fall or, or at least that is what um, people way smarter than me, medical experts are are saying. So um, if the whole goal, which this is, unfortunately, I hate that this is the ultimate goal, but it's it's the, the I mean, it just is what it is. But the, the goal is to, to get as much of the TV money as possible. Because without the TV money, without games being played, a lot of programs are, are going to be suffering dearly. You know, University of Tennessee may not hurt as much, but you know Furman, who Tennessee plays this year, uh, it, it would really, really destroy them to not be able to to receive a big payday from Tennessee. Charlotte, uh, it, it would devastate them. Uh, so, unfortunately, as it, as it is with anything in life, money is driving these decisions that are being made. So it is my belief that the powers that be are are going to make decisions primarily focused on trying to squeeze in a season as quickly as possible so that we can make up the money that is going to be lost, make up as much of that money as as possible. And uh, it's my opinion that the best way to do that is only do a conference-only schedule. I hate it. Uh, from a Tennessee perspective, I want to see Tennessee play at Oklahoma. I-, I want Charlotte to be able to receive that $1.3 million payday from Tennessee because it really helps their program. And Same uh, is said for Furman. In Troy. So I think that's the best way to squeeze in a college football season just for the sake of saving as much money as possible is going conference games only. That way the the season is obviously shorter and hopefully you can get it in before anything dramatic happens. Um, So from that standpoint, the decision was not surprising because it makes sense if we're trying to squeeze in in a season. It makes sense to only play conference games. But what was surprising was that it was out of the blue. You, you did not hear any reports yeah. of the Big Ten talking about it. You've heard other commissioners. You've heard Greg Sankey from the SEC. You've heard um, Bob Bowlesby of the Big 12. They've come out and said, hey, <laughs> well, they didn't say this word for word, but I think if you read between the lines, it, it's pretty much saying they blindsided us with this decision. We did not know that they were going to make this decision. So from that standpoint, uh, it was surprising.
0: Yeah, I. It- you could really get that feeling off of everybody else in college football where they were like, uh, what now? (laughs) Um, I, we did not discuss this, you know, just sort of that, that kind of reaction you saw in, in most of the other power five conferences. I mean, to, to me, when I look at this, it it feels premature. It may end up being the best course of action. I'm just not sure that we can be certain of that yet. And then be beyond that. I, I, uh, I think, Clearly, the SEC agrees with with that sentiment currently that it's that it's premature. Um, But beyond that, there are you you're touching on there. There are about a thousand different micro, micro conversations that need to happen within this subject because it's really becoming as as kind of this pandemic situation continues on. It's really starting to break down kind of into two groups of people in the way that they view this thing. There is a group of people that is kind of like we we need to do everything possible, including lockdowns, to try to to stop the spread of this until we we have us, you know, treatments or a vaccine. And then there's a group of people that are saying treatments or vaccine may never come. And and so we have to learn to live with this. I, I'm not, you know, you can decide what side of that debate that you are on, but th- that's... That divide is what is making this so tough because I think you're going to find in a lot of SEC schools <laughs> that you're going to have a little bit more of this live with it out of it. Did. And then maybe as some of the other out west schools, northeast schools, uh, the thinking may be different. And so do y- is, is it even possible to get everybody on the same page? I, that, that's the main problem. I think a season could happen if you get everybody on the same page, actually thinking the same thing. And uh, the NCAA could help. Oh, I don't know, maybe some kind of governing body that exists might might be able to to do something about that. But of course, it seems like they don't want to do anything. They're just kind of being like, uh, "The conferences will handle it," because the conferences already rule everything. The, the NCAA likes to act like they're in power. They have n- nothing. They're they're useless virtually at this point, point. Uh, and this just proves it but uh it is it's frustrating to watch outside looking in because i mean the, the sec i think it's pretty clear they're thinking we can make this work right and then you have the the big 10 just literally to, for you know from kentucky some of the big 10 schools are like an hour away like it's just the guys that are right there and they're saying mm, no we're going to go conference only and to me the, the conference only also doesn't provide a real solution cuz when, when I look at the real problems that stem from this, obviously you want to make as much money as possible and keep these programs alive, but I think the real problem that will be faced if you go, uh, if you go no season or conference only, I think these big schools could survive no season. They could, feasibly. The big schools with tons of resources, big donors, all of that. But these little schools that are hanging on by a thread as it is, that are operating in the red as it is, like they're on the margins in a good year they're going under. I mean, they're, they're going to get destroyed and they're, they will get destroyed with a conference only solution because I mean, yeah, you've already said it. They get paid, they get paid 800,000 million bucks to go get their head beat in by Alabama. And suddenly yeah. all of that, rev, that uh, revenue is gone. That's to me, that's, it's just not a good solution.
1: Yeah. There there was a, there's a report slash article that was written on, and forgive me for not remembering the article or author off the top of my head in the exact details, um, but with the Big Ten deciding to go conference only, the conference that that affects the most is the MAC, because a lot of those MAC schools uh, are the cupcake games for the Big Ten, and I can't remember which school it was. Maybe it was Toledo or somebody like that, but I think they have a... Ten to twelve million dollar budget uh, every single year, uh, somewhere in that range. Um, again, forgive me for not knowing the the specifics of, of the numbers, but um, they I can't remember which school they weren't going to end up playing, but whatever school that was paying them to to come play, uh, I think was paying them like two million dollars, one point eight somewhere in there, and that's twenty percent of their their budget for for the season. So I, I do agree with what you're saying i personally think that there will be football schools that go under but i don't necessarily think we'll see as many football programs go away as we may think i think what will happen is that those universities that are struggling to keep the football program afloat i think they'll pull from other sports on campus and we'll see those other sports on campus whether it's a baseball program a softball program a women's basketball um tennis, golf, programs uh, like that, I think we'll see those programs get wiped off the map, essentially. I mean, just last week we saw Stanford, who has every sport imaginable, they had to cut uh, 11 Olympic sports. So I think that's kind of the 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 direction we'll see athletic programs go is they'll have to pull from other sports on campus to make up for what's lost with with no football season. Uh, and we should also point out, we, we keep mentioning the Big Ten, the ACC – They've also said that they are likely going to do uh, a conference-only schedule, and that really affects the SEC, because, and really the SEC East to be more specific because Georgia plays Georgia Tech, Kentucky plays Louisville, Florida plays Florida State, and South Carolina plays Clemson. Uh, And those are four really big games, especially for those individual schools. Those are big-time rivalry games at the end of the year. Uh, And then also the Pac-12 has come out and said that they are only going to play a conference schedule, which means there's no Alabama-USC to start the season. Uh, Ohio State was supposed to play Oregon. That game's not going to happen. Um, The other one from the Big Ten was Wisconsin was supposed to play Notre Dame, I believe, at Lambeau Field uh, this season. That won't happen. Uh, So it's it's just really unfortunate to see college football unravel but we still have to find a way to play a season. I don't I don't think the spring season is the answer because then you're not going to have Trevor Lawrence. You're not going to have Justin Fields. If you're Tennessee, I don't think you'll have Trey Smith. And there are other guys who could potentially not play. Um, so I think the conference-only schedule is honestly the best option if we can't have a traditional season. And I wanted to add real quick the – to, to your point about everybody having an opinion, why does it always have to be political? Everybody has to take one side or the other. Why, why can't we draw from from a little bit here and there? It's like, I, I don't believe that, okay, there, there's two or three positive tests out of 150 in, in a college football program. We don't need to shut everything down. We, we, we don't need to do that. But I also realize that we still need to wear masks. It, it's not a 100% guarantee that... It's going to prevent you from getting sick, but it helps. I- I'm sorry, but if it if it ups my chances by fifty to seventy percent, I'm going to wear a mask. I realize that it's not one hundred percent, but it still helps. Um, so I-, I just wish we could find a middle ground.
0: No, I I agree. I I've just through this the whole thing. I've just tried to be as pragmatic as possible. I I see both both sides of everything. I you know I see why people are being extremely cautious i also see why you know there are honestly people like my age where we're just being a little more flippant about it like i i i can say <laughs> without a doubt i'm being much more flippant about it than people who are older than me i mean i like i i work with uh with a guy who's in his 60s and he's being extremely extremely serious about it i understand why he's doing that and and everybody makes their own decision about their own health and i as I said, I'm just trying to be as pragmatic about it as possible. And I'm completely with you. Three, four, five cases uh, that should not bring college football to its knees or a college football program to its knees. Um, y- you, we have to be realistic about the fact that <laughs> that's the nature of this thing. That's what's going to happen if you have football. If if that's your plan, one test, you know, turn off practice, we're done. We, Love, can we can't have football. You can't. Yeah. Don't try to save, 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 time, save, yourself time and money. <laughs> and just, you know, cause I, I mean, I can tell you testing all these players, that's expensive. I, I, you know, I, I work at a healthcare facility and I've, I've seen uh, the, the bill for some of that stuff. It ain't cheap, And it's like, this is a, a commitment that's going to cost these schools a lot of money uh, to try to be as safe as possible. And I, I don't think that we've even come to what will be I don't think we've even come close to what will be the final model of safety, I guess, for these schools, if we ever do do come to it. What, what frustrates me out of all of it is what I've already mentioned, is why can these conferences not work together? Clearly, the NCAA is not going to do a form, even though they could say, here's a uniform plan for every school, such and such. And that's easy to say because a, a uniform plan could be affordable for a school like Tennessee and, you know, testing every player twice a week is not affordable for Tulane, you know. And so there there is a huge difference there. It's not like the NFL where everybody gets the same amount of money, blah, blah, blah. Um, but nonetheless, I think the Power Five conferences could figure it out if they put their heads together and you wouldn't have to lose games like South Carolina Clemson to me, that just seems so nonsensical. You're, right. <laughs> those schools are an hour apart. <laughs> Come on. What, what are we doing here? You, you can't get on the same page and say like, okay, we're, we're going to have the same safety protocols. We're going to do these things, this, this, this. And then we we can play that game because the, the conferences are all doing it themselves. Right. Why don't the conferences get together and say, here's a standard uniform. This is the, the yeah. if you want to play in these games, you got to abide by these rules and go from there and then still, the small schools are getting burned, but at least you're you're still picking up some yeah. of those good uh, those good cross conference rivalries, like your you know Florida
1: Miami or whatever it may be. That's that's one of the things that I don't understand. That has to be black or white. Why why does it have have to be one or the other? Like South Carolina and, and Clemson, those two should be able to play. I mean, they're right down the road from from one another, but also. Tennessee doesn't need to travel to Oklahoma this season. There, there there's too much travel involved, and with that travel, that you are putting these players and coaches and trainers and everybody else that has to go, that they're, they're it's it's riskier to to travel to Oklahoma than it is for South Carolina or Clemson to to travel to play to one another. We don't need to play the Oklahoma game th- this year. Let's let's push it back. It sucks that we can't play it. I wish we could play it. But it's, it's just not feasible. Neither is Alabama playing USC. Neither is Notre Dame and, and Wisconsin. Well, that might be shorter than I actually realized. But um, the, these games that are – Florida State and Florida. Gainesville and Tallahassee are not that far away from, from one another. Louisville and Kentucky are 45 minutes apart. There's no reason okay. that game should not be played. I mean, that's almost like – if you think about it, Tennessee stays in Birmingham when they play at Alabama – it's a longer bus ride from Birmingham to Tuscaloosa <laughs> for the football game than it is for Louisville and Kentucky to play one another. That so, is
0: true. That's funny. That's, yeah, <laughs>
1: that, that's another thing that, that I don't understand. Why does it have to be boom or bust? Like We, we should use yeah. sense and, and realize that some of these games are actually very feasible as long as these teams don't just break out with a bunch of positive COVID tests. And, and that is – you you really hit the nail on the head there talking about the NCAA uh, that's the one thing I've realized the last two to three weeks. i thought about it more. I've realized this for years now. But I've really thought about it the last couple of weeks, and that's that college football really needs a a, a Caesar. They, they need a, a president. They need somebody who's going to lay the hammer. And, and you know what? If somebody wants to pay me, Ben McKee, Roger Cadell-type money to, to lead the college football world and be the most hated College football person, I would gladly sign up to make thirty million dollars a year. Um, ben
0: McKee for college football czar.
1: Yes, <laughs> <I'm> with you. <laughs> so, but college football really needs one, to, so we can prevent all these decisions being made out of the blue and, and just randomly and without any discussion with one another. All, all the Power Five commissioners should be on the same page and not be blindsided by decisions. And if if college football had a commissioner. I mean, it would automatically fix that,
0: and so on on that note of what you're talking about, just being more looking at everything a little more reasonably, maybe we got what about a month and a half uh, before games are set to be you know starting up. and you have in in that vein you have actually this involves Tennessee, and this was the road I was going to take it down uh, originally. Oklahoma has petitioned the NCAA for a waiver that would this this is from the Oklahoman newspaper um, that would allow the Sooners to move their 2020 football opener against Missouri State from September 5th a week back to August 29th Uh, and Missouri State is currently agreeable to the move now it's it's this sort of thing that would uh, affect uh, obviously the very next week where Oklahoma. Plays Tennessee. And then actually, this says Oklahoma is set to play Army the week, uh, two weeks after yeah, the week, by week following September 26th. Yeah. And so, I, this is the type of stuff I, I want to see working it out. Okay. Because the the Big 12 and the SEC have laid back. You've already said the, the ACC and the, the Pac 12 have kind of made it themselves known like, hey, we're probably going to do this too. Uh, and I, well, and I think the Pac 12 has actually said it. And then, um the the big 12 in the sec if as long as they're willing to work it out with some things like this tennessee and oklahoma can feasibly still happen maybe although i do still agree with you what what you said there tennessee oklahoma is certainly not a requirement in any in any given year tennessee is going to have plenty of massive games to play this season that will make plenty of television revenue uh and and that one won't they won't be missing it that bad. And right. also, I think it would help Tennessee this season if they got, got to cut that game out. But that's neither here nor there. Um, they do but, have a freshman quarterback, Charlie. That's true. It could it could happen, but that's... They don't have Tracy nor- Charlie. Norman's a tough, tough place to play if there are fans there. And again, another part of this that's totally up in the air at the moment. <laughs> um, but uh, this is the sort of thing that I, I want to see. Someone saying... All right, we're not gonna cancel the season. Let's see if we can find a workaround where everybody, where Missouri State still gets their money, Tennessee and, and Oklahoma still get to play. Maybe there are ways to do this without having to just cut off these small schools and play conference only. Blah blah blah, and have things happen like Louisville and Kentucky don't play. Like that's foolish. Which is, uh, in, in my that, opinion.
1: It- That Louisville, Kentucky is the easiest game for each of those teams to play all year long with with the short distance between the two. So let's not let conference decisions come in between that. I mean, uh, Kentucky plays at Florida this year. That is a division game. It is easier for Kentucky to play. we, We can go every division game for Kentucky. It is easier for Kentucky to play Louisville in Louisville. Than it is for Kentucky to play in Knoxville, in Athens, in Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, Missouri, at Vanderbilt, in Gainesville. Let's not let these these rogue conferences decide what games are going to be played. But to to your point about trying to figure out a way to to make everybody happy uh, monetarily, I don't see how you do it. Because uh, I am of the opinion that you can't draw the season out like Oklahoma they're trying to add extra bye games or bye weeks to to allow the opportunity to test more and and whatever, you can't draw the season out because then you're just – you're expanding it and you're opening yourself up to more risk. You need to consolidate this year and just try to – you have to do it as safely as possible, but just try to get through a season, try to get through the games that matter understand that it's a quirky year, a quirky season, just get a, get a year under the belt so we can have a defined champion. And then let's move on to next year and hope we are good to go for next year. And then, then hopefully the talk is okay. How many fans are going to be allowed in the stadium in 2021? That should be the big conversation for, for next year. And it sucks that a, a school like Missouri state or in, in Tennessee's world, Furman, Troy, Charlotte, it sucks that they're not going to get paid, but I mean, it's just kind of the reality of the situation. Uh, people are going to have to take losses, unfortunately. It sucks, but yep. it's just going to have to happen if we're going to have a college football season. That that may end up
0: being the case. As I said, we got, what, about a month and a half? And, and I think a lot, a ton, will be happening between uh, now and then in terms of all of this movement. I'm sure they're talking 24-7 uh, about where to go with all of this. And I, <laughs> this is another, we actually were talking about this Off air, right before we came on. I mean, one of the main things here is, and what we were talking about, you know, where you just have, you might have five cases that pop up and you can't bring everything to a halt. The the, the fact is, this, if you don't have these players live a sort of bubble lifestyle, that is going to happen. And there has to be some amount of peace with that. And if the plan is to have them live in a bubble, I would say, uh, how? How are you gonna do that? What's the plan there? How how do you get these guys that are quote unquote un, unpaid? You know, they, they get a, a dorm room and a scholarship. Um, but how much does that mean to these guys if you say, um, you can't leave your dorm and all you can do is walk across the street to the athletic facility um for the next six months? <laughs> Good luck telling that to a college kid. I don't wanna do it. <laughs> you know?
1: No, exactly. I mean what it's just not. You also have. Tennessee, as of July twelfth, is going to have students in Knoxville this fall, and there's what 30,000 students enrolled at UT. A big amount. Yeah, I I don't know the exact. A large amount. We can we can include that. We know that they are going. They are going to have students coming from every single state in America, from so many different countries, and, and that is like. If you want to to spread if if you are a terrible person and you want to spread coronavirus and infect as many people as possible, you know what you're you know what you need to do? You need to bring 25 to 30,000 young adults together from all over America, from all over the world and have them all in like one bubble, that being the University of Tennessee's campus. And
0: specifically a set of people who are in the age bracket that is being particularly cavalier <laughs>
1: about yeah, they're everything. They're not going to listen. Like that—that That is what you need to do if you are a terrible person and you want to spread COVID. And then we're going to try to have a football season in the midst of that. And with um, students being on campus, you think you're going to, to keep 18 to 23-year-old uh, males in a bubble for, for multiple months? That's not going to happen
0: yeah for multiple reasons com- completely unfeasible the ga- game day preparations and testing totally feasible things like that i i mean good to just good luck i i i don't know mm, i i could go i could go way way down down the rabbit hole on all of that for i, I got it. i got a lot of opinions cuz it's just it's such i mean it's such a crazy thing you know what was funny i was i was talking to we we just went on vacation with part of my wife's Family and and uh, a couple of them are little kids. They're twelve and fourteen. I guess that's not that little, but you know, like (laughs) pre-teen to teen. Right. And and I was just talking to them, and the way obviously they they could not care less. They're just like, oh no, mom's saying we only got to go to school three days a week. That's cool. So like, uh, but beyond that, when I was talking to them, I was like, this is gonna be these kids nine eleven. And I, and I don't mean that to equate the two that, you know, the carnage is the same. The situation is the same, but in my life, in our generation, like you and i been, I think if you're the same as me, like I base all of my memories on when they happened compared to nine 11, I'm like, okay, that was 2003. So it was two years after nine 11 and nine 11, I was in fourth grade. So that year I would have been in sixth grade. And I like, that's how I work everything out. And I think kids these days, that's going to be, this is like, We're seeing a a benchmark moment uh, in the current, you know, the youngest generation. And and obviously in everybody's lives, it's a benchmark moment and one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But like, uh, it's going to be before
1: Corona. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that was B.C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Corona. Part two. (laughs) (laughs) B.C. part two. Not before Christ, but but before coronavirus. (laughs) Before COVID. Exactly.
0: even even now i i mean i've been thinking about uh like i there's a podcast that i like to like to listen to that's it's like evergreen like a story podcast and they i was listening to an episode where they were just kind of talking about something in a certain way and i was like when when did this happen and i was like oh yeah you could go to a restaurant back then and like live a normal life when this was recorded so that's it was before the virus yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> life is not really fun right now
0: <laughs> maybe do get get that vaccine
1: wear, wear a a mask. mask come on freaking get it already that's that's it, all i know it, but it's not that hard to wear a mask i'm 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 not going to go political but it's I, not that hard to wear a mask look i don't wear the mask when i'm walking down the street i don't wear the mask in my own car i don't wear the mask in my own home but if I'm going into to, to grungy Walmart, where if I'm going to get coronavirus, it's going to be because I need 2% milk from Walmart, I'm wearing my mask in Walmart. If the coronavirus wasn't a thing, I'd want to wear my mask in Walmart as it is. Have, have you seen the people in <laughs> Walmart? Have you been to Walmart? I mean, mercy. Go like, to the
0: severe Walmart and tell me you wouldn't wear a mask.
1: My wife and I went to Savannah, Georgia for our anniversary a couple of weeks ago, weekends ago, and we were walking downtown Savannah after dinner. I mean, it was 7, 8 o'clock. The streets were absolutely packed, and I was wearing my mask, she was wearing her mask, and we were two of the very few wearing a mask. I mean, there were thousands of people in downtown Savannah on a Friday night, and very few people were wearing a mask.
0: See, I, I, I put it this way. We went out to you last night my wife and, and I and the one of the places was a place that I really enjoy um and they didn't open until like their full protocol was masks and the whole like the whole thing even inside the, the restaurant obviously now when you're eating when you're sitting at your table yada yada but I was like you know if this is the thing that allows these businesses to operate and for the people that I, I like that own this business to feed their family, I'll do it. I, you know, even, even if I don't like it and I, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying I, I don't, I don't like to get political here and piss people off because you're, you always lose 50% of the audience that way. But what I, you know, if it allows <laughs> them to, to be able to keep that business open and for me to be able to enjoy it and all of that, dude, fine. Let's do it. And in this situation where we're talking about, if we can have football, let's do it. Let's do it. I, you know, that's not yep. a huge inconvenience. I'm, <laughs> I'm I, I am. And it looks,
1: yeah. I, I hate that we have to clarify that we're not trying to be political, but no, I'm really, not, I'm really not. Right. But we've also reached a point to where it's intertwined. And, and honestly, wearing a mask should not be political in the first place. It, it, it really wearing a mask should not be political in in the first place uh to to me it's a uh, just i don't know i i am one that listens to to the medical experts i'm not a conspiracy theorist i, I am not you know all oh, these people are out to get me um but at this point covid uh, which unfortunately has become political um and, and sports are intertwined so I I hate that we have to clarify that we're not trying to be political. But again, on on the same accord, as I keep saying, it's become intertwined. We we can't talk about one without the other because it all ties together at the moment.
0: It does. And that it it just is what it is. And as I said before, we could go down that rabbit hole for forever, frankly, because it's such a ridiculous (laughs) thing. But I I just want to finish with this a little more of a, a lighter thing. Uh, To finish with you, you mentioned that you sat in on, uh, I guess, a a Zoom session with Josiah Jordan James. Um, The uh, the forward, I guess he's a guard, isn't he? Yeah, he's a guard, although size wise, he's like size wise, the way he looks, he just looks like a forward. He's just he's built. He's uh, a big dude. But um, nonetheless, he was talking about Tennessee basketball, the upcoming season and he dropped in a little tidbit about Victor Bailey Jr as a transfer to Tennessee from Oregon uh, and I believe he called him the best kept secret in college basketball you were listening in on this Ben what do you think of high praise from Josiah Jordan James on on this new addition to Tennessee's team
1: I felt vindicated because I have been singing the praises of Victor Bailey Jr. Uh, all offseason. I, I think he is going to going to be a tremendous uh, addition. Um, for Tennessee basketball. I don't know if he's the best-kept secret in the country, but he's the best-kept secret in the SEC, and Tennessee has a roster that can win another SEC championship under Rick Barnes in a roster. And I should note that this is also assuming that Eve Ponds is going to return to school, and that's a, a whole different conversation. But uh, Victor Bailey Jr. is going to provide something that Tennessee lacked last season, uh, which was obviously a, a step back, had some some few bright moments. We, we still saw the potential of what this season and maybe next season, depending on how the roster, uh, what it could look like. Uh, but overall, step back. Um, and, and part of that was because Tennessee's defense took a huge step back. And one of the reasons Tennessee's defense took a step back is because they were without Lamonte Turner. They were without Jordan Bone. Uh, Jordan Bowden he, he was still good defensively in my opinion obviously he had his slumps on the offensive end but I think he was as good of a defensive shooting guard number two whatever you, position you want to call him uh, he was as good as defensively as anybody in the in the conference you can't knock him for his defense um, but they they weren't that defensive team on the perimeter that they had been in the years prior especially guarding the ball uh Santiago Viscovi, he was out of shape and a freshman, <laughs> got here midway through the year. And you know, Josiah, I know some fans are are kind of down on his stock. I, I am buying all of the Josiah Jordan James stock. If you want to sell yours, um, let me know. I am I am the 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 president of the Josiah Jordan San, Jordan James fan club. We have rented out an island. I am buying all of the Josiah Jordan James Stock Because I I think he was truly hurt last year. And he said it himself during the Zoom call that he wasn't – he didn't play a single game last year in which he was 100% healthy. And that all started with a a, a hip injury that he suffered during preseason camp. Uh, Didn't really practice in preseason camp. And and then it – I mean, he had to force himself into the lineup once the season got going. And, And that's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, And as we saw, that hip became a groin injury and kind of uh, bothered him. Both the the groin and the hip bothered him all season long. And he he just simply was not 100% healthy. Um, And and so I think Victor Bailey is going to kind of help make up for, you know, that that lack of defense on the perimeter last year. And he's as close to Lamonte Turner as you are going to get. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to beat Lamonte Turner. He's not going to – I'm not saying he's going to knock down the, the clutch shots to beat Kentucky time and time again and, and VCU uh, during a Thanksgiving tournament. When, when when I compare the two, I am talking about a mindset uh, and his aggressiveness in the way he goes at people. Um, he is a force to be reckoned with, and I think Victor Bailey Jr., um, it is going to be terrific I I don't know if he's the best kept secret in all of college football because forgive me I don't know all 300 million college basketball <laughs> rosters but within the SEC I, I absolutely think um, it's kind of like uh, Tennessee football I think D'Angelo Gibbs uh, is going to be a heck of a receiver I think he's the best kept secret in the SEC right now I think Victor Bailey Jr. is that for the basketball team just because of the mentality he's going to bring he, he is going to be Uh, the leader that Lamonte Turner and Admiral and and Grant Williams were. Folky and Pons are leaders, but they lead by example. They are quiet in nature. Victor Bailey Jr. is not that. So uh, I, I think Victor Bailey Jr. is going to be tremendous for Tennessee this season.
0: Here's a few additional quotes from what Josiah Jordan James said. He said of Victor Bailey, he's done some things I've only seen pros do. He definitely brings a lot to this team. Going against him every day in practice definitely made me better. I'm excited to do it again this year. We definitely bring out the best in each other. Just his, his athleticism. It's just on a whole other level. His shot-making ability, his speed is out of this world. He can get down the court in no time. He knows that, and he knows what he brings to the table, and he's excited, and I'm excited for him. You know what that sounds like, honestly, is kind of a Jordan Bone. And man, if you could get that energy back, I, I, I really think that I hope so, so, so badly. College basketball does not get canceled. Uh, and, and the logistics, the logistics of college basketball are a tad easier. The rosters are much, much smaller than football, thankfully. Um, and playing without fans, I would think is, is a lot, would be a lot easier. Um, but that's, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But Lordy, Tennessee could really take a huge step forward this year. I mean, I, I think, I look at this roster and I say, there's no reason this isn't a top 10 team in college basketball. It's with the, the addition of EJ Anasicki, the addition uh, of Victor Bailey. You know, you, you are adding uh, firepower in the front and back court on top of what should already be great firepower. And then I haven't even mentioned the freshman. That are coming in, and and it's one of the best classes in college basketball, dude. It, it's setting up. It's setting up nicely for Tennessee. I I would weep and gnash teeth if this season got uh, got canceled because man, it's it's setting up ni- nicely for the balls.
1: Yeah, I think the the season is is going to be a good one for for Tennessee. I think they are setting up to be very similar to the the to the teams that broke through. Uh, with Admiral and Grant and, and that crew, uh, in the sense of this this team has the potential to be elite on the defensive end, and that was the difference of of last year, and you know when they went and lost to Loyola Chicago that season in which they they really broke out, and then the following year in which they went to the to the Sweet Sixteen, uh, is that those two teams were were very good defensively, and then last year, as I was talking about a moment ago. Uh, they took a big step back defensively, and to me, that all started with with the perimeter defense. It just was not what it was the, the years prior. But the the freshmen that you mentioned, uh, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson, they are lockdown defenders. Especially Keon Johnson, uh, Victor Bailey Jr. Lockdown defender, Josiah healthy. His size is going to to present problems for opposing ball handlers. Uh, Santiago. He may not be an all world defensive player, but he'll get better just for the sake of jumping from his freshman to sophomore year mentally and understanding the game better and uh he'll be in shape more I think that was you know a, a large portion of why he struggled with turnovers and on the defensive uh, in last year's because he was so out of shape but um top ten maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I definitely think top fifteen you know top fifteen top seventeen. So somewhere in there, and I would really to see this season go to waste because if it's just like I said, if football season got moved to spring or canceled, we don't get Trey Smith again. Potentially other yeah. players, um, and with basketball, we don't get Eve Ponds again, no matter what. We we probably don't get John Fulkerson for a sixth year on campus. Uh, we, we we don't get James Springer. We don't get Keon Johnson. Those two are already being projected as top 15 players, as lottery picks. They're not going to stick around for for a second year unless something something crazy happens with the NBA draft. Um, So hopefully we can get a season, and hopefully everything's somewhat back to normal by the time it's basketball season rolls around. A whole,
0: whole lot could and will happen before November. So as I said, we'll kind of cross that bridge when it comes, I guess. But uh, yeah, just the way that this sets up, I – if these freshmen are as good as they are touted to be, as you're saying, guys that are set up to be almost lottery picks, this is one of the best backcourts in America. And, you know, if Santiago Vescovi continues to come into his own, the kid's vision is ridiculous. And his, his ability to control the floor for a guy who came in and had not played college basketball, the way that he came in and just asserted himself was honestly unbelievable like it was a, a sight to behold and if he just keeps going down that road and getting taking big steps forward like kind of so, those sort of steps that we saw with Jordan Bone where year over year it was like who, who is this dude like suddenly he he was just this incredible team team leader with the speed of Russ Smith and like uh, I, I think it, it could be
1: it could mean big things for for Tennessee. If you so. really, if you really want to get excited about the basketball season, sit down and try to think of the starting five. Yeah, that will exactly. be excited for the basketball season. <laughs> Obviously, Fulkerson is starting. Um, it, it'll be a little bit of positionless basketball because Fulkerson's not your tra- traditional five. EJ Anasicki's not a traditional five. Eve Ponds isn't. Um, but assuming Ponds c- does come back, Pons and Fulkerson, those are two of your five starting spots, and then at that point, do you go Anasicki as the number three guy in, in the lineup down low, or do you go small ball and start three guards? Because if you go two guards, who you who, who you starting? Jane Springer probably starts, uh, but after that, is Victor Bailey starting? Is Santiago starting? Is Josiah starting? Is Keon Johnson starting? What about Devontae Gaines? I, I – I, I love Devontae Gaines as well. He's not gonna be a starter, but where do where does his minutes, you know, where where do they fit in? Uh so if you ever want to sit down and try to if you really want to get excited about Tennessee basketball, just try to come up with the the starting lineup because there's so many options and it gets you really yeah. excited for basketball season. I mean they're they're deep and
0: varied in terms of kind of the skill set that they they bring. I mean, like you're saying, and they put they tall ball and small
1: ball. And so. talented. I mean Everybody talks about Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. I keep hammering this point, uh, but I think Josiah is going to have a have a tremendous year. I mean, even last year with the struggles, I mean, he he showed signs uh, at times of of why he was a a five star basketball player. And it's crazy, but he shot a team best thirty seven percent from the three point line. Now, part of that has to <laughs> has. You know, that's not very endearing of what Tennessee's basketball team was last year, but still, for Josiah to be the team's best three-point shooter uh, being injured and as a freshman, I I think that speaks to his ability. We know he can defend. We know he can rebound. He's long. He's athletic. He was just hurt last year, and he was a freshman. He's going to be healthy. Uh, This was the other thing that he really hammered home, on the zoom call that you mentioned he talked about how he's been doing yoga and he's like 75 sessions in and it has completely changed his body uh according to him and rick Barnes has talked about this on the radio much more flexible um and he feels so much healthier i think tennessee has the potential to, to, to have um the best set of guards in the country between him santiago Josiah or uh Keon Johnson and, and Jaden Springer. And then you throw Victor Bailey Jr. in the mix too. I mean, those are what's that, six, six guys, five guys that could start yeah. almost anywhere in the country.
0: It's really exciting. And hopefully, hopefully it comes through. Oh, and on that note, actually, did he get asked there were two players, right, that had uh had the virus. Did he get asked about that? Uh which players got the virus? Well no no no. I mean they they did yeah. disclose that. But like did he did he get asked about like oh what's you know Yeah. He, how did he, you feel about having
1: Yeah, he was he was asked about it and it, it was a very mature response um along the lines of he wasn't taking it as seriously um when everything first started and then once two of his teammates got it and he described those teammates as being very close to him uh, as his best friends uh, that put things into perspective. And he pointed out like, hey, they were fine. They uh, they felt fine and they recovered fine, but it, it still placed an emphasis on, hey, I can get this. And then he went into the whole spiel about wearing a mask and um, he doesn't want to wear a mask, but he thinks it does help. So he's going to wear one anyway so he, he was asked and was very mature as he is with everything that since the day he stepped foot on campus before a game was even played I mean he, he's so good speaking to the media handles himself very well so well spoken um, as a young athlete uh, He he's tremendous off the court uh, as well great student great person in that locker room so he was asked about it and he handled it well and just kind of spoke to uh, it, it really placed an emphasis on the seriousness of everything going on and the importance of taking care of himself uh, and not putting himself in, in a position to to potentially get it as well. And also holding each other accountable um, in, in terms of the players holding each other accountable and not allowing players to go out and do whatever it's kind of stay in and let's hang out and <laughs> let's not get this virus. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I wanted to hear.
0: I'm I'm glad I'm glad that hit that was his take on it because as we've already been talking about earlier in this episode, how do you get these guys to take this seriously? I mean, kids, uh, we already know younger guys are not a, or younger people in general are not affected very badly by this. And then on top of that, these dudes are are in the best shape of their life. I mean, they're just you know incredible athletes. So how do you get them to be like, oh, if I got this, you know, if I got this, this thing would be a cold to me, but it might. Be bad for my coaches how do you get them to take that seriously and maybe maybe this this would actually do it you like it is a smaller group of guys they do seem to be close friends as he was saying there and, i mean when you got close friends that they get it i'm sure that that can it would be a wake-up call to yep. to some degree so maybe that will help um but we'll and we'll just have to see about this stuff who knows what uh, what we'll be talking about next week but that's that's pretty much it man i'm ben i'm so glad that you were able to do this and i appreciate you coming on here uh tell tell the good folks where they can
1: find everything that you do oh there's a bunch of places they can follow me on twitter at ben mckee 14 they can tune in on the swain event monday through friday from 7 to 10 a.m swain and i doing our our daily thing talking on the the radio talking on the the internet so multiple ways you can find me. The main one is Ben McKee fourteen on Twitter and then my writings on Rocky Top Insider as as you mentioned earlier. We'll have to do this again soon. We'll have to send Zach on vacation more often so so I can steal his <laughs> spot on the show. Yeah,
0: this was good. Nice, nice and nostalgic. How and how how is Swain Swain doing through all of this? Because he, you know, he's got the kids running around. Yep. They've been, I assume, stuck in the house like everybody yep. else's kids. Is he going insane?
1: He has turned into former Swain. Uh, farmer swain has a garden in the backyard a a rather large garden and and he's been dealing with that that has been his escape from uh from being stuck in a house with with four females three three young girls and and his wife he's been able to escape uh into the backyard and and work on his garden he's been dealing with raccoons and and rabbits getting his onions lately so (laughs) he, he had to deal with that but he's doing good Swain is uh Swain is Swain, so he's doing. That's good. good. I'm glad glad to hear
0: everything is going well, and hopefully, if we do this again, we'll be talking about everything in the context of the college football season already happening, definitely happening. I don't know Tennessee we'll in the SEC East. Uh yeah. Hopefully, that's the case without a doubt. But uh, man, it's just the way, like you said, everything we said on this podcast is going to be irrelevant by tomorrow. So just yep. you know. <laughs> Take it with a giant grain of salt. That's <laughs> it, dude. Ben, thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm Charlie Burris at Charlie underscore Burris on on Twitter at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram A to Z Sports Nashville for everything that my usual co host Zach writes. And uh, I think that is it. We'll see everybody next week.
1: <laughs>